Welcome to the Living Permaculture Show on Public Radio KDNK. This is Stephanie Sison here with Jerome Ossentowski. Today we're here to talk with an amazing permaculture educator and dear friend who just spent some time in the Roaring Fork Valley with us co-teaching a permaculture certification design course. Kareen Araby with Broken Ground, a self-proclaimed homesteader, an amazing permaculture educator, food grower, garden designer, and soil builder in cold climates um, in Montana. Correct, Kareen? Yes, that's correct. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Stephanie. Oh, thank you for joining us today. Um, So we recently had an article out in the Aspen Daily News about the permaculture design course that you were heavily involved with lead teaching here in the valley and it just really brought a great reminder as to how many people there are out there in the world um, and in our valley that still don't know what permaculture is or just haven't had the opportunity to hear that term and really understand what we're talking about when someone says permaculture and why 25 people or more every year for the last 34 years have been coming to our valley to be with Crimpy and and be with Jerome and lots of other teachers like you um, to learn about permaculture and learn how to utilize it. So much of today's show will hopefully uh, go into those details and dispel some of the myths or help us understand the depths and value of permaculture to our world. But before we get into that, um, Karine, I'd love for you to give our listeners a little introduction into your work and, and who you are and why you love permaculture. Yes, thanks so much. Yes, so I um, own a business here in Bozeman, Montana called Broken Ground, where essentially I teach people how to grow their own for food, but through a permaculture lens. So I do workshops locally um, and obviously also in Colorado, and then I do um, consultations with clients in kind of installing gardens and edible uh, yardscapes. And I also do designs, permaculture designs for clients. And um, it's been such a joy, actually, to, to do this as a living, to, to turn my passion into something that generates income while at the same time giving people a level of self-reliance um, and the ability to grow some of their own food. And I came to permaculture um, several years ago, about 15, 17 years ago, when I... Um, was kind of hitting my head against the wall. I'd been an activist for a long time, and just always when you're in the activist realm, you're kind of against someone or something, and you're always in a fairly negative space um, And in terms of what humans um, are doing wrong on this planet. And so I started to look for solutions and uh, ran across the term uh, permaculture, when I took a course with Dr. Vandana Shiva and Satish Kumar in India and um, just started looking into and got got hooked, I think like many people do um, who run across permaculture because of the positive practical solutions that it provides and a very concrete way forward and kind of out of um, this 
uh, always this negativity about everything that we're doing wrong and really showing you all of the different things that um, we as individuals and as communities can do um, to, uh, you know, live more regeneratively on the planet. Fantastic. Uh, and how I ran across Kareen is that I was at a Michael Polarski uh, convergence in Montana at the Hot Springs, and she was one of the key- keynote speaker there at that conference. There was about 200 people camping at an Indian reservation. And I was teaching a one-day greenhouse workshop after that. I had 50 people there, but I, I listened to her presentation, and I said, boy, I want to have her come and do our PDC. I want her to be one of our lead instructors. So that took a couple of years, but uh, and we and in the meantime, we taught several workshops in Montana that was sponsored by one of our clients, uh, Cindy, um, near uh, Whitefish. Well, we actually have a really interesting project at the high school in Whitefish. Michael Thompson and I designed a greenhouse and a training center at the Whitefish High School. And then uh, Cindy has a couple of 20-acre parcels, and we did a charrette and then one year, and then we did a follow-up with a forest garden and greenhouse workshop, and it was a, you know, about 40 people attended that. And that was a really great um, collaboration, with, and I saw how, how well she was organized and how she put everything together. And I, I saw that again when she came in, were, you know, was a lead instructor here um, with all of the rest of the team really chipped in, but she was here for the first week, and I think it was really great. And so thanks very much for coming back and um, having our first PDC here with you. Yeah, it was such a pleasure. Um, loved working with both you, Stephanie, and the other instructors, and I think we brought together a course that had a diversity of voices, and of course, the students were uh, amazing. So, And Corrine and Jerome, uh, can you tell our listeners what a PDC is, if they've never heard of such a thing? Why, why did these, what did these 25 people from around the country and the world uh, come to our valley to learn? Whoever wants to jump in there. Go ahead, Corrine. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a PDC stands for a permaculture design course, and it's a, usually a two-week-long immersion course. Uh, uh, there are both in-person and online versions now, um, but it's a 72-hour core curriculum that covers um, the, the core topics that that. Um, we've determined are important for people to, to learn about um, in, in the permaculture realm. And what it is, too, is, you know, a, a social experiment <laughs> of people living in community and uh, coming together for two weeks. And so, you know, permaculture is all about the art of designing beneficial relationships, I like to say, both between plants and between people and, of course, between the human-plant interactions, um, but this course allows you to get a taste of all the different topics that are kind of nested under the permaculture design framework, uh, and and you get a, a certification or an understanding of how you would go to about designing a site and actually your life, um, essentially, using permaculture principles. So uh, one of the, the co-originators of permaculture 
um, Bill Bill Mollison decided this was one of the the best ways to get the information out there um, is to start teaching these permaculture design courses and start inspiring people um, around the world in this, and then to have them go out and then themselves experiment um, in their own yards and gardens and then possibly go on to teach as well. So it's kind of a, an organic um, way of spreading the word about, uh, about this design system. And Jerome, you've been hosting these courses and leading these courses for 34 years now. Um, what has been some of your experience of either how the courses have evolved or um, what kind of people you have brought to the Roaring Fork Valley that are looking to learn this information? Well, I mean, you you came to the Roaring Fork Valley because you came and helped manage my place and then took the design course. Uh, and, and, and you've been teaching uh, on our team ever since, plus all the other workshops I I teach you come in and teach the parts of those as well. Um, I was looking at some of the photographs of, of some of the classes we we did uh, back in the eighteen eighteen no eighteen hundred nineteen eighty seven nineteen eighty seven and um, I rec- I recognized some of the uh, some of the ranchers uh, uh, Meredith and her brother um, manage their father's ranch up. Um, Opal Snowmass, they took their class, you know, 25 years ago. Um, um, Jason Soule and his wife took their, uh, from Sunflower Ranch, they took the class about that many years ago. And there's a fellow, Dave, who um, who used to run a rock shop over right in Glenwood, and he's retired, and they have 40 acres on Silt Mesa. And I ran into him at the uh, at the Vitamin Cottage the other day, and I had these two big bags of spent... Uh, lettuces for my rabbits, and he comes and gets it for his his chickens. And uh, so I just grabbed one of the bags and put it in his his shopping cart, and uh, he went off to feed his chickens. I went off to feed my rabbits. But he has done amazing things on his land, uh, doing um, land you know soil building and uh, using uh, uh, Gabe Brown's uh, dirt to soil strategies, rotation grazing. So. Uh, I mean, it goes on. We have, um, you know, we have thousands of people have taken the class, local people and people from all over the world. Uh, we had a uh, a couple that checked my book out of the library in the lap in Lapland, and mm-hmm. um, and they read it and they came and ta- uh, cooked for our academy last year. Uh, and, you know, uh, I actually helped jumpstart the uh, permaculture movement in Finland. I've been there twice and with Mari, and uh, I think we've had Mari on the show. Some of the places where I uh, taught workshops, uh, there are major training centers now. So, you know, Crimpy has gone around the world, and uh, we've worked in Nicaragua. We were Santalistas back to, after the revolution. Um, and so we've done a lot of uh, outreach, and um, and um, I was I, I just think it's just an amazing. My def- definition of permaculture is um, the way it ought to be, <laughs> and that's the uh, that's the billboard when you go into Maine. Um, you know, I'm I was uh, getting up organizing somebody doing tile this morning, and um, 
and Jeremy's building a rock wall in the, in the greenhouse. I'm eating mulberries, and um, and I did a tour at 11 o'clock, and now I'm here sitting, talking to you. And um, you know, it's just I mean, I I think it's sort of a stream of consciousness thing. Is that everything unfolds just like in nature? Everything unfolds, and you just go with the flow. And Jerome, you mentioned um, that you're seeing. Uh, extra increase in interest in things like permaculture and forest gardening and uh, food growing. And I'd love you to speak to that. And you as well, Corrine, are you seeing up with your work in Montana um, a recent increase in interest with everything that's going on in the world and the threat of food shortages and um, the instability that we're seeing from a climate perspective have you, what have you experienced with the interest in permaculture and the kind of work that you both do? Go ahead, Kareem. Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, an increased interest in growing food. I think, um, if anything, you know, the pandemic kind of underscored for people the fragility of our existing global food system and, and how brittle it, it is and how important it is to not only, you know, uh, up-level our local food economy, but also learn how to do some of this stuff ourselves. So I've seen an increase in just, I have a YouTube channel and subscribers to my YouTube channel or here in Bozeman, just people that express interest in even putting in a couple raised beds or starting a garden of their own. Um, I think it is, as Jerome said, how it should be, and I think just reconnecting people to um, what used to be what we all did. You know, my grandmother was a homesteader um, and grew a, a good portion of their own food and put up and canned and, and dehydrated and, and preserved in other ways um, food. So we are getting back to what, um, as human beings, we have done um, for decades and centuries um, and even longer than that. Um, but I do think that now is, is the people are feeling that urgency. And so um, it does feel like there's an, a, a significant uptick in well, interest in growing food. Well, I think it's a primal instinct. You know, it's like living, mm -hmm. living off the fat of the land, just like out of Mice and men, you know, we all have a little bit of Lenny and George and us, uh, you know, feeding the rabbits. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I read that passage, you know, to my class. Uh, it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, or, or, you know, every, and you have a piece of land, like you have a piece of land in your backyard, and I have a f acreage that I can play in and, and improve. Uh, there's nothing more grounding than that is you can go out and mm. get any kind of food you want raise anything you want um experiment doing this and that and uh and then also our workshops they they fill up you know very fast and spill over and we have to sign another workshop we did three weekend workshops this year we did um we filled up our our pdc we filled up our academy and we actually have to teach some of these workshops off-site because I'm going through a special use permit now. But next year, there'll be hopefully they'll be on-site again. And uh, well, one, one great thing about doing the PDC at Sustainable Settings is that we had the opportunity to immerse ourselves in that, that climate over there, the biodynamic 
uh, dairy farm, plus all the other things that are going on there. And then we were able to go to, and tour Casey's place, which is a jewel in the valley, uh, and get experience of what he's doing and seed saving. And then we brought in a lot of extra instructors uh, because they were here in the valley or they were close by or I just thought we should have them. We had aquaculture classes. We had natural building classes with people we've known for a long time. So I, I really think that the students got an amazing amount of exposure um, and being out there on the farm was yeah, there was some elbow room there, so it was, it was fun. We uh, appreciate uh, Brooke and Rose uh, and all the staff over there for uh, for hosting us. You are listening to the Living Permaculture Show on Public Radio KDNK. Today we are talking about permaculture itself. What is it? Uh, what is a permaculture design course? And what can we do with the skills that we learn uh, from permaculture? So, Kareen, I'd love to get a few uh, practical tips for our listeners. You're in a cold climate, a temperate climate, just like we are, maybe even a little bit colder than us. Um, what are mm -hmm. some of your favorite food-growing strategies utilizing permaculture that you've found successful for a cold, temperate climate? I definitely the use of microclimates. So in, in permaculture, there's a whole section that's focused on climate and microclimates and understanding, um, especially in a cold climate, where you do on your, on your site potentially have warmer areas. And that comes from, you know, straight observation of your site. Where does the snow melt first? Um, where where do you see that there is a or whether you can see a, a microclimate or you can create one you know with rocks or something like that so I have uh, some of my beds they're surrounded by river rock and that rock absorbs the heat during the day and it radiates it out at night and we have really cool um, nighttime temperatures and that's a limiting factor. And so really taking advantage of that. So taking advantage of the microclimate that's created in front of the greenhouse to grow more hot season crops. Um, so those are some, some strategies I use. Obviously, in a cold climate, you do want that season extension. And that's, I think, where Jerome's examples of, um, of greenhouses at altitude uh, being able to extend your season, but also grow things that you normally wouldn't be able to grow in this climate is um, super, super useful. Uh, even with the small greenhouse that I have on my site, I'm able to add an extra couple months onto my growing season, which makes a huge difference in terms of the yields that I get and how early I can be producing food um, for my family um, just from from my land here. And Kareen, you mentioned your YouTube channel. Does it have some of uh, some examples of these strategies that you you're creating and utilizing with the microclimates and the season extension structures? And can I know it already does, so you can say yes. Um, yeah. And can you give our listeners what that YouTube channel is so that they can uh, see live in action what you're speaking about? Sure. Yeah. So it's um, yes, indeed, Stephanie. I do have <laughs> examples of that. Um, and yeah, it's just if you go to YouTube and it's just forward slash C forward slash broken ground, um, 
and then you can you can search for various videos. I have some tours of my food forest, of my kitchen garden, and some of the you know various different examples of um, plants that and berries and other other plants that you can grow or that are best to grow in cold climates. Excellent. You know my microclimates are. Uh, are pretty unique on Basalt Mountain because I have, uh, you know, we're living on this rock pile with a thin veneer of vegetation and it's south-facing as opposed to Mount Silver, which is north-facing. So I'm the sun's hitting these rocks, a huge pile of rocks all day long, and that those rocks warm up, and then the warmer air comes down at night. So it increases my microclimate to a zone 6 we're down here in the valley. We're zone five, maybe four down in, in Crystal. So I may actually have two climate zones higher than. And then next to my pond, we get double sun off of the water during the spring onto the reflecting onto these huge volcanic boulders. So that's a, a, almost like North Carolina there. And close to all the greenhouses are scattered throughout the forest garden. Those create microclimates on every aspect, on the south side, north side, and then they actually warm the outside air. So uh, and the, the attached greenhouse, you know, creates a microclimate, a Mediterranean microclimate that heats my house during the wintertime. Uh, so there's all these interchanges and all these uh, connections to be made, um, especially if you're in the mountains uh, and you have slope, uh, there's, there's more microclimates and aspects there that you can play with. Like in Kansas, you're, you know, you're just on a flat ground. You have nothing to work with. Uh, well, personally, uh, <laughs> I think you're, you're bored, you're bored working on the flat, right? So, uh, Stephanie's like, but anyway, those are my opportunities. And, uh, it's just, uh, it's, it, it, it would look like a challenge for most people. But I, I've turned it into an advantage. And, you know, something I really love about permaculture, um, we're talking here about cold climate strategies, but a permaculture design course, no matter where it's held in the world, should be able to provide you with skills that you can take also to anywhere in the world. And in this course that we just finished up, we had people everywhere from New York City uh, to Mexico to Oregon and, and pretty much everywhere in between. Um, so I'd love to hear, Corrine, how does a permaculture design course um, apply to different climactic locations? Yeah, I think, you know, the fundamentals of permaculture are learning the principles, and those are applicable to any climate. And I think it's really getting students honed on those principles, and then knowing how they can, you know, you can use that principle in any location, um, but looking at your site, at your land, at your life through the lens of those principles is super helpful in terms of how you engage in the design process. And I think beyond that, too, I think what a permaculture design course does is encourage people to pay attention. You know, ultimately, it's that we are such a overstimulated, digitized society, and I think it allows people to to kind of hone in on their intuitive skills and their power of observation and that reconnection back to the land. So 
in that way, then uh, at the same time, it also gives you like practical tools of, okay, you need to know your climate. You need to understand your culture. You need to understand the history of the land. You need to, to, to collect this data um, on your site in order to come up with the best design possible. So it it's kind of gives you this framework without necessarily, and of course covers certain strategies in different climates, but really it empowers the students then to go off um, by themselves and, and be able to collect that information and engage in the design process on their own. Excellent. That was a great uh, kind of wrap up to our time together today. It always goes so fast. Uh, Kareen, I would love for you to give our listeners a couple other ways they can get in touch with you and your work and maybe let us know if there's any workshops you have coming up that people can participate in. Yeah, uh, yeah, so people can get in touch with me through my website, which is brokengroundpermaculture.com, and they can also follow me on uh, Instagram, uh, brokengroundmt, and I'm also on Facebook as well. I don't have any, I do have an online upcoming workshop in the fall called my Resilient Homestead Program, where I take people through the design of their site while giving them some content um, related to permaculture. Uh, And if you have questions about that, that is on my website. Excellent. And for our listeners who are looking for a winter escape this February 2022, uh, Jerome and I and some other instructors will be down in Puerto Rico teaching a permaculture certification course there as well. Um, In addition, please go to crmpi.org to look at all of Jerome's offerings. And if you're a local listener and you haven't been up for a tour of his site, get up there and see what he's up to. And we have our academy on the 16th of of August, and uh, uh, we're almost full up on that one, but uh, we take volunteers and tours, so we'd love to see you up there. Thank you for listening to Living Permaculture on Public Radio KDNK. Taste the milk and honey before all the streets are.